I wanted to do a quick recording about CNN today. CNN just fired its CEO, Chris Licht. And uh, I guess people online are measuring his tenure in Scaramucci's, which is never a good sign. Uh, Anthony Scaramucci, who famously was, uh, I think he was Trump's press secretary for like 17 minutes and then disappeared. Uh, he's actually a pretty successful guy. I know a guy who works with him. He's not a bad guy. He's just the wrong job. Uh, pretty much any job working for Trump is the wrong job. But anyway, um, I came up with a list of 10 radical changes that CNN could make to save their business, essentially, and maybe even other networks can implement this. Sometime in 2018, I wrote a post called Trump Save the Media, where I talked about this Trump bump that was creating this feeding frenzy because all these people were triggered by everything Trump said. And I was talking about how, yeah, you can pick a side and you can get political and you can get that side of the aisle, whichever your side is pro or against, to tune in. But that's a short-term thing because once Trump is gone, so is that audience. And that's exactly what's happened. Now the average show on CNN gets less viewers than, than my trips to the bathroom. There's no one watching that. Anyway, so I did a whole series called 12 New Rules for the Future of Media, which, by the way, holds up great. So if you ever get a chance to listen to it, check it out. It's a two-parter. And then I did a bunch of um, strategies of what companies can do about it on the Patreon. And those held up really well. They held up a lot better than CNN. Now I'm starting to think, okay, well, what can they do to rescue CNN itself? The first thing everyone has to face is network news is dead, especially in this current format with the current pool of talent that they've got and among young people who are not watching TV. They're getting their news online if they're getting it at all. Uh, on TikTok, that's where they're going. And especially at the current levels of distrust that exist in the media, it's not that easy to rebuild after telling people a bunch of BS, uh, taking a ton of advertising from uh, pharma companies, pushing all kinds of narratives that turned out to be false, and then never apologizing, never acknowledging it, and just moving on along, expecting people to trust you. Not how life works. Anyway, the Trump circus is coming back to town, and the presidential campaign might give TV this one last Trump bump, but it's kind of a stay of execution. It's kind of like, all right, here's your, here's your burger while you wait for the electric chair. No stale insider that's clinging to these big offices and fumes of network prestige. None of these people can save this business especially a model that's basically being trounced by podcasts, by mid-level comedians. Even the ones that aren't the best are getting hundreds of thousands of views, maybe, you know, at least uh, 50, 60, 70,000 views per episode. And others are in the 300 to a million range. That's more than CNN shows, which are barely scraping 300,000 viewers. And even then, I question the methodology and how effective it is. So what now? The first step is accepting all that. And news has to face its death and use its waning brand and financial capital to 
make offers that can't be refused to podcasters, podcast networks, YouTubers, and a bunch of other talent that have already developed large trusted audiences. And then give them the resources they need to build. You also have to give them time because it's not going to be an instantaneous thing. A big part of that is hiring an unconventional leader. It's got to be someone who has a flair for entertainment. Because let's face it, even our politicians are just aspiring uh, influencers. That's all they are. You look at Marjorie Taylor Greene or AOC. All they are are just glorified influencers with government jobs. And this person also has to have an instinct for what audiences want, a vision for where media is going and where news might go, and integrity. It doesn't have to be specifically in the news business. It has to be someone who's ready to take those qualities into the news category and start thinking differently. A couple of names came to mind, and these are just wild thoughts. I'm sure these people don't even want the job, but again, just to give you an idea of the kind of person I'm talking about. Tom Segura is a comedian who has a sharp business mind. He's built a huge podcasting empire. Uh, his company's called YMH Studios, called uh, Your Mom's House. And he regularly performs in front of huge international audiences in both English and Spanish. So this is a guy who can truly bring all of those talents and that mind and that creativity to the news business or another person another one out of the box mr beast who's a youtube prodigy you know i've watched some clips online on on youtube of course of him explaining his strategy and what he's been doing and i gotta tell you this guy is incredibly impressive he understands media in ways that none of these other people do and platforms and audiences and psychology. And, and he's a prodigy, he's young, but the things he's accomplished are so impressive that he would get the respect needed even from crusty old news people. And so I came up with a list of 10 things that CNN needs to do or the kind of stuff they need to do and the way they need to start thinking if they've got any shot of reinventing this dead media. So number one, accept platform ubiquity and agnosticism. What does that mean? Be where the people are. It, you can't say, oh, the only thing you can do is get a cable subscription and watch our shows. No, you have to be agnostic. You have to be where the people are. If that's uh, a TikTok or podcasts or YouTube or Rumble, Twitter, Substack, Patreon, all of them, every single one, be there and be native to those platforms. Do the thing that succeeds on each of those platforms. And that means customizing and molding your talent and content to fit those platforms. Number two, find ways to monetize everywhere you are through sponsorships, events, and whatever is native to those platforms. They have their own advertising tools, but also you can make deals because you hopefully will have some leverage with these other companies, with Twitter or whoever, who's now actually signing deals like that, like with Tucker Carlson. That's what... Um, uh, Elon Musk just did for Twitter. So now he's natively streaming directly to the platform. His first video did something like, I don't know, it was like at 6.2 million views last I saw, which is more than he ever got on Fox. Number three, 
Be transparent about your sponsorships, about your potential conflicts of interest, and post your contract terms publicly. Maybe even automate the ad buying based on journalistic principles saying, hey, if we have to cover your company and it's doing some crazy stuff, polluting rivers or doing whatever, these are our rules. If you don't like it, leave. And that should be made public. Make your ad business work like open source, just like all these apps on GitHub where Anyone can edit them. I mean, not someone stupid like me who doesn't know how to code, but someone who actually knows how to code. And it could be reviewed by other people who can code. And same thing here. Uh, people can see exactly who's signing up. And, and it's all visible, both to the editors and to the viewers. Uh, Wikipedia is another model to consider. And yes, they all have their imperfections. But again, these are just stakes in the ground to start thinking differently. And done right, this can be a trust game changer. People could finally see what is going on without it being hidden behind some speculative deals. Who knows what's going on in the back rooms? I'm saying bring the back room to the forefront. Number four, surrender the impulse for corporate content policing. All these backslapping deals and status games and political agendas. One way to do that is replace this opaque uh, system that, that these networks have uh, of what is true, what's a lie, with a community fact-check system. Twitter has done a great job with community notes, and that's something that could be done with TV news, and technically, you might have to do some things manually. You might have to uh, build a, a new uh, component to CNN.com, or maybe work with the different platforms, but whatever it is, figure out a way to let other people uh, contribute to what is true and what is not and address all the criticisms on the air and not in some defensive way invite your critics on like the the, the smart critics for a real dialogue and then maybe hopefully change your opinion in case you were wrong number five make everything interactive let fans nominate guests choose which ones they want back Submit questions online, participate in live events where they ask questions that the hosts might not think of. And audiences are way smarter and more creative than they're given credit for. Use that to your advantage. Number six, having real conversations should take however long it takes. And Joe Rogan really proved this. He puts out three-hour shows regularly, multiple times a week, and people listen. He's the number one podcaster. All these companies have been trying to take him down because he's onto something that they don't have, which is this genuine curiosity and letting things breathe, letting them take as long as they take. These time boxes and segment lengths are relics from another time and place. These limits don't exist anymore. And look, it's fine for clips if you want clips to be short, but not for complex issues in a complex world that a lot of people are really struggling to understand. Also, consider uh, this interview on Fox News with RFK. Format is unwatchable and unlistenable. The host keeps interrupting and wedging in accusations and assertions before she asks some unrelated question. This is not a real conversation. This is not how people talk. This is why podcasts work and cable networks are dying. Let people speak and let it take as long as it takes without hammering your agenda. These networks are earning their obsolescence.
Number seven, end access journalism. Be so good that you don't have to lube up politicians with softball questions. You'll have an audience that's so big and reputation that's so trusted, they'll beg to come on and get grilled. Number eight, cross-pollinate all the shows. Reward camaraderie and compensate people and incentivize them to root for each other and their peers, not for each other's downfall. Another way Joe Rogan changed the game is on the L.A. comedy scene, where which was cutthroat and adversarial because everyone's like, oh, there's a limited number of TV spots. There's a limited number of stand-up gigs. There's a limited number of things. And everyone was fighting for a fixed pie. And what Joe Rogan proved is it's not a fixed pie because uh, he started having different comedians on his show. Those comedians started shows. They started having uh, other comics on their shows. And it created this giant ecosystem where uh, suddenly comics are collegial and complementary. And they're growing the pie and growing the audience and introducing people to new comics instead of fighting for slices of a static pie. Because in most cases, these comics are on the road. They're, they're in different cities on different nights. So they're not really competing with each other. Uh, I mean, maybe at some point if it gets super saturated. But there's plenty to go around. And that category has exploded. And he's doing the same thing in the comedy scene in uh, Austin, which didn't exist until he arrived. Number nine, embrace meme culture. This is the new world order. There's a lot of funny people out there making a lot of funny memes. And sure, uh, serious news segments shouldn't be made into a joke. But news commentary, especially on issues that don't affect people, people are consumed with stuff that they have no control over. It's insanity. People have gone nuts. And don't be afraid to laugh about it. It's funny. And a guy who's doing that, uh, Greg Gutfeld on Fox, uh, he's quietly getting way higher ratings than all the other traditional late night shows uh, who are also a dead format. But it's impressive what he's been able to accomplish. And I'm not saying that's the model, the exact model, but I'm just saying loosen up because if you're doing commentary about stuff that a lot of times doesn't affect, doesn't affect people directly, you got to crack a smile and let people in on this joke. Life is funny in a lot of ways. And so let's embrace that. And number 10, last but certainly not least, don't forget the news. The only bias it should have is towards truth, not manufacturing a bunch of outcomes for advertisers or governments. And just like our foreign interventions, those have not worked out well. So you're like, oh, we're going to propagandize. We're going to tell them that he's got weapons of mass destruction. And you manipulate people into doing something with an outcome in mind that never materializes. All it does is maybe enrich a, a, a few people. The modern way to do this is to crowdsource journalism. Ask Julian Assange. Hire Julian Assange. But at least crowdsource that first step in journalism of getting the sourcing and then do the vetting, do the other work. But use this communication medium. It's amazing what Twitter has when there's a breaking story. Take advantage of that, but not in some snarky, stupid way where you just have some back and forth with some dumb pundit, but use it as a way to source uh, insights and, and information and then do something with it. Put it out there in a compelling way. Research it. Create investigative journalism using it. 
And look, if I had more insider knowledge of CNN's inner workings, the people they have, their finances, I might change this list a little bit. But directionally, this is approximately the kind of innovation that's going to be needed to avoid dying penniless on Anderson Cooper's couch. Anyway, hope you enjoyed that. Tell a friend. Subscribe to The McFuture.